Welcome to Spirit Behind the Screen. Each episode, your host, Marty McCurdy, deep dives on industry trends around high reliability electronics and the supply chain in aerospace and defense. This is episode 49 with EPC on the reliability of GAN and RADHARD applications. Hi, this is Marty McCurdy with Spirit Electronics in our podcast Behind the Screen. And today we are welcoming EPC onto the show. And uh, we're super fortunate to have both Renee Yager and Alex Lito with us. Renee heading up marketing and Alex being CEO of EPC. So welcome both of you. Thanks, Marty. It's good to be here. Thank you, Marty. Thanks for taking the time. So Alex, I know this is your sweet spot podcast video. Uh, you're, I hear you're a, a social media icon. Is that true? <laughs> I, I have a feeling that's uh, that's uh, uh, some. First of all, it's hyperbolic, <laughs> and uh, yeah, sometimes I actually do real work. Oh, you do? Okay, well, it's good to know because I think there is word out there that you're an influencer. <laughs> Well, certainly, uh, historically, you've been a great influence from back, uh, I think you have legacy back to the IR days, but basically you have been the founder of EPC, which is GAN products in wafer scale packaging kind of thing. And uh, you really do lead the industry in GAN. So we appreciate your inputs on that. And I know you're like the, the father of GAN. So appreciate all of your knowledge there. Well, maybe Godfather, but uh, Godfather. there are a lot of people that, that move this technology forward. <laughs> well, I know that uh, you've joined us on a few customer calls, and I know your knowledge is deep, right? So let's jump into a little bit about what is happening with EPC. And Spirit is obviously a beneficiary, being one of your distributors. You really are touching the high rail and the rad hard world now with the, the GAN products. So Let's touch on that, just kind of give our listeners a little bit of an insight if they're not up to speed on what's happening within EPC in that sector. Yeah, uh, EPC uh, has taken advantage of gallium nitride's intrinsic properties and also our experience in the radiation hard satellite world to develop a family of products that are basically, you can't, you can't ruin them with radiation. It doesn't matter, gamma, proton, neutron or even heavy ion, uh, these things are basically hundreds and hundreds of times stronger than silicon uh, red hard products. Just in, as a matter of background, I, my last engineering job uh, when I was, before I became bureaucratic uh, overhead <laughs> at International Rectifier was in 1983 developing the first red hard MOSFET. Nice. So, you know, my experience of making these things work in the space environment goes pretty far back. Uh, and I know how delicate silicon really is in the end. So in contrast, GAN makes a big difference. Right. Yeah. You you can't unknow what you do back in the day, right? So that exactly. kind of moved you forward this way. Well, I know that you always are incredibly diligent as a company putting out reliability reports. And I believe now you are at, if, correct me if I'm wrong, phase 15. So tell us what to expect in that current report coming out. 
So, uh, you know, I, I, I go back to a, a quote that I uh, hang my hat on a, lo a lot, and that is from, uh, you know, uh, Richard Feynman. He was Nobel laureate, famous physicist. Uh, and he said, that which I cannot derive, I cannot understand. And that is true for uh, new materials like gallium nitride. If you really don't understand it, you, you, you really can't derive it. You can't understand it. So what we've done, and phase 15 is accumulation of, you know, 14 other reports in addition, is we've drilled down into the fundamental physics of how GAN works. And through that, with heavy reliance on peer-reviewed literature, uh, we have developed models for the various wear-out mechanisms for gallium nitride under virtually every circumstance. And uh, we, we show the derivation of these models. Uh, we give reference to it. We put these in peer-reviewed literature all the time, and we wrote a book about it. We're trying not just to curve fit failures onto some sort of a graph, but rather say, here's the physics behind it, and it predicts this is how long something will last under arbitrary conditions. Where this is, I think, truly innovative is that if you understand all the wear-out mechanisms, you can derive a failure rate for an arbitrary mission. So the way it works is that one over the rate of failure uh, in total is the sum of one over the rates of the individual failure mechanisms. So if you can predict all the failure mechanisms, you can then find out which one will be your first cause of failure. And only by knowing all of them do you know under an arbitrary condition which one will be the, the one that causes the first failure or the highest failure rates. And that's been particularly useful in places like solar where you're living in a, a rather extreme environment, whether it be in space or in uh, terrestrial. And there are lots and lots of mechanisms that could get you. <laughs> and depending on exactly what, what your conditions are, you got to understand all of them to, to come up with a, uh, a valid failure rate calculation. I see. So I want to touch on two things that you said. One is that you talked a lot here about the wear out mechanism. So basically on your GAN, you have a gate, a drain, and a source. And so talk to us a little bit about what kind of wear out mechanisms do you have? And then the second question tying to that is, if you have the ability to basically, let's say, you know, create this algorithm, if you will, on uh, arbitrary mission, how long or how far out can you see? So, you know, if you are you able to calculate something for a deep space mission that could take a decade, or are we talking, you know, a five year mission at LEO, or you know, can you give us a little insight there? Yeah. So, just uh, to to deal with the last question first. The wear out mechanisms are just that. It tells you when something will wear out under what stress conditions. Uh, we, we can go out to 100 years or 1,000 years, which practically is not very good, but we can give you the error factor on that. There are many uh, missions, mostly terrestrial missions, where we go out 35 years, and at least our models and our error bars on those models give us a you know, pretty good indication that we're within a couple percent of right. And we can usually accelerate that to validate it. So now let's look at, you got a gated drain and a, and a source. You know, how hard could that be? Well, there are hundreds of ways that you can stress apart. You can stress apart by putting voltage from drain to source. You can stress by, by putting a lot of current from drain to source. You can stress it by putting a lot of current and voltage under a bunch of different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, you can stress it by putting voltage against the gate. You can stress it by 
banging it with a very high DVDT or DIDT. You can also thermomechanically stress it. You can do all of those things while you have radiation going on. <laughs> um, and and that that's just the beginning, you know, that you can have power on while you're you have thermomechanical stresses going on while you're you know hitting it with radiation. And by the way, you have a lot of voltage on it. So there's uh, there's a lot of ways. Now, what we have is a table, and it's in our phase 15 report. It's also in our book that shows all the stressors that we have uh, worked with, and then how exactly we've expressed failures using those stressors. And then what are the primary wearout mechanisms? In some cases, there are multiple wearout mechanisms. We list on the table just the primary one. And then we go through and we show how we've looked at each of those stressors, you know, in, in various ways, and then what they have indicated in terms of wear out mechanisms, and then what's the physics behind that wear out, which is very different in gallium nitride than it is in silicon. Alex, uh, I should know this answer, but I don't, so I'll, I'll be the one to ask maybe the stupid question. Does the GAN anneal? So annealing tends to be referencing uh, repairing damage in a crystal. Correct. Yes. And the the answer is, yeah, oh, yeah, you can anneal GAN, but usually at temperatures well above where you care about in operation. So repairing a GAN crystal is a little bit more complex because there are, you know, different elements involved, obviously. You know, when you have damage from, say, a heavy ion going through there, first of all, number one, it creates a whole lot less damage than it does in silicon because you have a tighter chemical bond between the gallium and nitrogen. And secondly, that also means it takes a higher temperature to cure it, 800, 900 degrees, that kind of, of temperature to okay. cure those kinds of damages. Wow. And um, what about protection? So I want to talk a little bit about how you got through the radiation testing and things like that. So most of your wafer scale package is supported. It's You basically build it on a CMOS base, correct? Build on a silicon base. Silicon base. And did you do anything for packaging or did you do anything for shielding in the radiation, the high rail parts, or are they straight wafer scale still? Straight wafer scale. And th this comes back to the combination of experience in design and the intrinsic capabilities of gallium nitride. Uh, gallium nitride has a much tighter chemical bond than silicon. And because of that, it is harder to break the bond. So when you hit gallium nitride with a massive particle, uh, whether it be a heavy ion or something that has mass, like a neutron or uh, a proton, it is less likely, by a couple of orders of magnitude, it's less likely to create crystal damage. So when you bombard these things with massive particles, there's slower breakage of the crystal which will tend to degrade your electrical characteristics. Now, another thing about GAN, especially enhancement mode GAN, the way EPC makes it, is we don't have an oxide insulator as a gate. You know, MOS, CMOS, all those things have an oxide between a gate electrode and the underlying channel. We do not. We have a crystal of gallium nitride. And crystal of gallium nitride does not hold on to charges like an oxide, an insulator does, because it actually conducts a little bit. So it doesn't matter how many electrons or gamma rays you put on this thing, it has no mechanism for degradation. 
I see. So whereas in, in a MOS device at 300 kilorads, you're kind of really worried about it. Uh, and that was a very expensive device. So you got reason to be worried about it. With GAND, we've taken it up to 100 megarads and no signs of any changes. Now you have this capability. You need to do something with the capability. And particularly with the heavy ion particles, they carry a lot of energy. So you have to organize yourself, not just for the crystal damage that will come from that, but you also have to organize yourself from the energy that the particle will dissipate electrically inside your device, like a lightning bolt running through your device. So there's a lot of design and process and material work to make it really rugged under single event effects. And I just want to make sure I heard you correctly, 100 megarad? Yeah, we've gone past 100 megarads, nothing, doesn't do anything. Amazing, just truly amazing. But that is, you know, that is the joy of GAN, right? Right, but it's also, you know, if you're looking at something like CERN, where they're doing, you know, high energy physics, they need that stuff. If you're doing, uh, you know, deep space exploration, you you need 10, 20 megarads. And to shield for that is very expensive. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, one of the luxuries again is of GAN is that without the packaging and your still wafer scale is weight, right? Weight, space. I mean, these things are incredibly small, high voltage. I got a variety of voltages and, and still within a very incredibly small footprint. You know, if you want to compare it against silicon, you know, we can't in a wafer scale device have all of the environmental immunities of a package device. You don't really need the package. You can put it on there if you want, but you don't need it. Secondly is GAN is a hundred times higher performance than state-of-the-art silicon today. And Radhard silicon is like 10x worse than the state-of-the-art commercial silicon. So we're looking at huge gaps in performance. The other thing, which I think may even be more important, is because of single event effects in silicon, where you tend to have momentary short circuits, it's very uh, difficult to make a half bridge circuit. That's Mm -hmm. why single-ended flyback circuits are dominant in DC to DC converse, and they are very much less efficient and bulkier. But with GAN, since you don't have this shoot-through problem with a single event upset, you can now go to very high-performance half bridge circuits at very high frequencies, shrinks things enormously, much more than just the component trait that you get. Well, speaking of Hapbridge, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Radhard drivers. I mean, uh, honestly, there's only a couple players out there and you really are stepping into that space as well. So if you have the product, now you are also creating that driver for that. If that's not too uh, early in the phase to let that cat out of the bag, uh, if we can talk about your Hapbridge drivers, you have low side drivers. Let's, if you don't mind uh, touching on that, or Renee, if that's your sweet spot as well, you could share a little bit about that development. Yeah, Renee, maybe you want to give sort of a timetable, and then I'll describe what these things do. But let me describe them first, and you can give the timetable. How about that? Because <laughs> I, I don't really remember the timetable. <laughs> and besides, I'm always an optimist, so I always you know cut a few quarters out. <laughs> but uh, so... Uh, you know, we're taking advantage of gallium nitride's intrinsic ability to withstand the high radiation. And we're coming out with a half bridge driver. So that means a high and low side driver with a level shifter, some input logic, some other things on it. Uh, the EPC 7009, 
Uh, we're also coming out with a low side driver. That's just a driver. So you put a logic level signal in, you'll get power out of the power device. And then we're also coming out with a full power stage, which means we've got a high and a low side power device with each with their own drivers and level shifters and input logic and protection circuits so that you can do uh, just a logic signal in and you get power out. And these are all monolithic. They're not hybrids. They're monolithic chip scale devices. Renee, when are we coming out with these wonderful things? <laughs> I think the, the timeline... <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna do the re the real quarters. I think so. The timeline for the uh, the first two, I think, is towards the end of Q3, early Q4, and they will also have demo boards associated with them. So it'll be really easy for designers to get a quick evaluation of of the performance. And then the full power stage will, I believe, was early 2024. Well, I think that's incredible and, and awesome. I know that probably after this podcast, we'll be getting hit up to see if we can get any uh, early uh, prototypes. So I think that's pretty exciting. I, I really feel like that is a turnkey, right? That's, a, you know, that's spirits end to end. You know, we're always interested in turnkey owning it all. So I see why you went that direction. But you also always, Alex, as long as we've been supporting EPC here in my reign of five and a half years, you always have some new version of GAN or new products coming conceptually. So is there any uh, peek behind the curtain on uh, what's coming out? We have a lot coming out. If you look at it from a commercial point of view, uh, we're pushing the technology uh, you know, further and further to its theoretical limits, but we're still 150X away. To make these things radiation hard, it takes some time. So the current generation that we're launching right now, the, the 7000 series, is based on about a year old or two year old commercial technology. So as time goes on, we'll be coming out with higher and higher performance that trail a little bit the commercial world. What are we doing in the commercial world? Well, we're already in a sixth generation device and it, it cut things in half. We'll have another seventh generation, about a year and a half, which will again, take a factor of two out of the power density or the, it'll add a factor of two to the power density. And in the world of ICs, we're uh, coming out with more and more functions and features that we can add to the ICs. These will also translate to our rad hard families, things like onboard, uh, temperature sensing, overcurrent, uh, current sensing, you know, 100% on, which is, is a big deal if you have a half bridge. Can you leave it 100% on as opposed to it only working in transients? Uh, those are all things that are coming down the pipe in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's very exciting. And Renee, I know we get uh, your updates all the time from a marketing standpoint. You have a champagne problem that you have so much to market, uh, you have to decide what's coming first. It's true. It's true. We try. I we were kind of on record to do basically a release every week, so it's uh it's definitely a fast pace here. For sure. Well, I know that uh, our customer base utilizes your website pretty heavily. You have all your white papers there. You have all the you know whatever's the current phase reports, and uh, all the marketing information. But you guys are, I would say, the leader also in just you know sharing technology, right? You're, you're very open and uh, like open source. Sorry, I couldn't come up with that word. You're very much in line with kind of sharing all of the technology behind what you're doing. 
our team does a lot of work on um, development boards and demonstration boards, and they share all that information. So if you go online and look at any of our reference designs, you can get the bill of materials, you can get the schematic, the Gerber files, everything, so that you can just plug and play, hit the floor running. Right. We have our own CCA line in-house, so I know that's true, that your Gerbers are all there, and they're all very good for manufacturing, no errors, uh, no corrections needed. So uh, we appreciate that. And just from a technology standpoint, again, I, I do believe that EPC has the leading edge here. And Alex, as a company, you know, we all know that if you're not innovating and in marketing, you're basically dying, right? So I think you take that to the extreme. And I think that the GAN market is certainly better for that. Yeah, and there's a long way to go. GAN is a relatively immature technology and that's far away from the theoretical limits. Uh, so it's very fertile mining to push the technology. And that's something that we are acutely aware of and won't stop until we get to that theoretical limit. All right. I love it. Very good. Well, I want to thank you both. Is there any parting comment? Is there anything I missed? I think number one is that space is actually our largest single market. And it's something that we spend a lot of time thinking about and working on. That will not stop. Uh, we think that there's sort of, a, uh, I'll say, a renaissance in space. There's a lot new stuff going with more cots and more, you know, smaller satellites that are extremely sensitive to size, weights, and all that, and performance, obviously. So I think that we're really, you know, in a position to really push forward that space boom, if you want to call it that. You know, I'd say that other than legacy designs, we've seen a very rapid conversion to GAN in satellites. I agree. Yes, we're totally aligned there. We obviously support the big primes, but as we all know, that's, uh, you know, deep space and, you know, they're the only ones that really can afford that anyway. But just like you, we, we get the most activity for GAN on all of our, our small sats, commercial, new space. And that really is a huge target for Spirit because we touch so many of those. You know, I'm in Colorado today, actually. There's just a lot of business up here of all of the new space companies out here, everybody's, you know, repairing, uh, capturing the satellite, you know, hanging on to it. Just so many exciting things. We've had two companies, we've been in like the control room, they're talking to the astronauts. It's it's all very exciting. And, and when you talk about leading edge, we all know that the military always lags, right? So the world's at seven and 16 nanometer uh, military still at pushing 45. That's right. <laughs> so, so we're, I think we have time for them, but the new space people, they are, they've got their treadmill set to high. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you both Renee and Alex today for joining us here on Spirit's podcast behind the screen. We look forward and we'll always be supporting the marketing effort as well to let our customers know what's out there. And also uh, just uh, while I have the opportunity, I want to thank the rest of your team that always support spirit when we call some of your FAEs and your sales guys. They've always been great stepping in the gap when we have some technical questions and things like that. So thank you for your team uh, outside of YouTube. Great. Thank you. Thank great you very much. You. Thanks for listening with spirit this week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to let us know what you want to hear about in aerospace and defense. You can find out more about Spirit's value-added services and product lines at spiritelectronics.com.